Okay, well, uh, we're about to get into the Word. If, you, if you've got your Bibles or, or some kind of phone or something to access a digital Bible, we're going to start out in Proverbs 11, verse 11 this morning. But before we do it, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so, so thankful that you've chosen to dwell among us, that you've chosen to be here with us right now. We're so thankful for your presence. And Holy Spirit, we're thankful that you, the great teacher, are here ready to point us into your presence. God, as we get into your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring life and revelation in what's said. Lord, I pray that it would not just be my words, it would not just be words from a page, but Holy Spirit, we're looking for your divine inspiration and revelation. God, I pray that every single one of us would leave here this morning with a word from you, with something that we can take and know that you've spoken to us. So Lord, open up our hearts right now, soften us, make us ready to receive the things that you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So like I said, we're, we're starting here in Proverbs 11, verse 11. And um, I just want to catch anybody up to speed who maybe hasn't been around. Over the past couple weeks, we've been uh, taking specific time to talk about this word right here, blessed. We've been talking about what it means to be blessed. And we'll see right here in Proverbs 11, verse 11, why it is so important for us to understand the blessing of God and to, to understand what it means to be blessed and how to live a blessed life. But before we get into it, I just want to say that this is not something that is for our own, you know, in the book of James, it says, he says, you, you don't have because you don't ask. And when you ask, you ask wrongly to heap it up on your own lust. We don't look and seek God's blessings for our own selves just to puff ourselves up or to, to pad our bank accounts or anything like that. We seek the Lord's blessing because we know that God is on a mission to bless this entire world. We know that God wants everybody to be blessed by, by knowing him and by coming to a revelation of who he is. So we're going to seek the Lord's blessing because we want, to, we want people to see us and glorify our Father in heaven. And so we've already talked about that a little bit, but just to understand that, that this isn't something that is just to, to really pat ourselves on the back or make ourselves feel good. But y'all, we need to seek the blessing of the Lord because God wants to bless this entire world. That's what he said to Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you. Those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. Because through your family, I want the entire world to be blessed. That's what he's on a mission to do. So here in Proverbs 11, verse 11, it says, By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. This is why we're, we're talking about this. This is why the stakes are so high, that it's through the blessing of the upright that a city is going to be exalted. And I know that I'm in good company, that I'm with people who agree that we want to see Boswell exalted and lifted up. Amen. We want to see Choctaw County lifted up. We want to see Bryan County, Lamar County. We, we want to see the places that we're in, we want to see these places exalted and lifted up. And it's through the blessing of the upright that that happens. God wants to choose, God's chosen and wants to use his people to bring, bring blessing into the community. We pray all the time over, over the finances in this church because we want to see economic prosperity in Boswell. We pray all the time for the marriages in this family because we want to see peace and unity and goodness poured out in, in this entire area 
and we know that he wants to use the family to do it. So we're going to continually seek God's blessing because the stakes are so high. He wants this entire area to be exalted, to be lifted up, to come to a knowledge and understanding of him. And so, of course, we, his people, need to be the ground zero of what his blessing is looking like. We need to be the very first ones that people are saying, oh, wow, something's happening. Well, wow, I've observed over there in Victory Life, something's going on. This must be a blessed area. Man, I've seen things going on at St. James number two. This must be a, a really blessed place right here. We, we see, we observe, we know that God is doing something because he's doing something in his people first and foremost. Too long and in too many places have Christians been the ones with the sour look on their face and that are living defeated lives and are, are just from one week to the next just in a grind and not actually thriving, not flourishing. So the stakes are high and, and God wants to use his people to bring blessing into this world. And so we've, we've talked over the past few weeks, how do we position ourselves for blessing? Because the fact of the matter is that God is a blessing God. He blesses. That's what he does. And so we don't have to earn his blessing. It's not that you and I living sinless lives can earn God's blessing. We can't do that. Jesus did that for us. So we can't go earn extra blessing from God, but what we can do is we can put ourselves in a position to receive the blessing that he's already pouring out. If he is a blessing God, if he's always pouring out, how can you and I position ourselves, put ourselves in the right place to receive it so that the world can see it? I don't know how many of y'all um, have been to weddings where the bouquet is the bouquet's thrown behind them, right? The, the, person, the person who catches it, that's the next one to get married, right? Well, I, I've, I went to a lot of weddings growing up, and I'm telling you, I knew this one girl who every single time, I, without fail, she was always the one to catch it. I think she's finally married now. So, but there for a while, the whole, it wasn't holding true. She was not the next one. But I'll tell you that there were a couple of reasons why she was always catching that bouquet. One, she was ready to use her elbows, and she, she, could, she would knock somebody out if she had to. But I'll tell you something else. She always was in the right position. She was always the one that was right here, knees bent, triple threat position, whatever. She was, she was positioned and ready every single time that she could pounce this way, jump over here, up in the sky if she needed to. She was always in the right position to catch that bouquet, and I'm telling you, she caught it every time. She was always the one. And so much of it, I'm telling you, came right down to positioning. Yeah, she was aggressive about it, but she was always, she was in the right place at the right time. And so that's what I'm talking about. You and I, we need to be just like, I'm not going to say your name, but just getting ready like this lady to catch the bouquet. We need to be in the right position where, okay, if there's blessings coming out, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to catch it because I know that God's a blessing God. I know that that bouquet is coming and I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be positioned and ready to get it. So let's position ourselves. Last week we talked about positioning ourselves around the word of God. If we're going to be receiving God's blessing, we're going to be around his word. We're going to be meditating on it. We're going to be giving it away. We're going to be reading it. We're going to be praying it. We're going to be singing it. We're going to be all around and all about the word of God. If we're around the word, I'm telling you, he's going to bless that. And this morning, what I want to tell you is if you want to position yourself for the blessing of God, you want to be in the right position to receive God's blessing, then you're going to want to position yourself in the position of unity. You're going to want to be positioned 
for unity. That's what we're talking about this morning. If we want to be blessed, if we want to show the world what God's blessing looks like, we need to be ready and positioned to be in unity together. So let's go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 133. Psalm 133, I'm going to read the whole thing to you. We're reading a whole, a whole chapter here. Buckle up, get ready. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, but you can follow along with whatever you've got. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. What I'm reading here is that the Lord has commanded, commanded a blessing. He's commanded a blessing, life forevermore. And that commanded blessing that he's given comes when brothers dwell together in unity. Just in the simple fact of unity, how profound, how special is that? That in unity, God has commanded a blessing, life forevermore. That may sound simple on the surface, but if you've been around this world at all, you know that unity is not simple. Unity does not come cheap. Unity is not easy. And essentially what we're going to get to here in the Word is that unity cannot happen outside of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the, the ultimate. That's where, where the end of it is. Because if he's going to say that there's a commanded blessing of life forevermore, you and I know that everlasting life, this life forevermore, is only found in the blood of Jesus. And so that must mean, too, that unity can only be found in the blood of Jesus. And he's the one that we're going to be looking to here. But I'm, I just want to teach a little bit about how, if, if we're trying to be in unity, what are some things? If, if, what are we going to need to get? if we're going to put ourselves in a position for unity. Because y'all know that the world is in desperate need of unity right now. The world is lacking it right now. If you see, if you watch the news, if you get on Facebook, if you have any kind of conversation with anybody, pretty quickly it comes around that the world is not in unity. The world is divisive and divided right now. And there's not a lot of unity going on. So... What are we going to have to do to get some unity? Some things that I want to encourage you. Obviously, there are a lot of different things. There are many different ways that we could go about this. But some things that the Lord really put on my heart that are important for us is if we want to get unity, one, we're going to have to learn how to submit to authority. And the crowd goes wild, right? Submit to authority. That doesn't sound fun. Doesn't sound nice. But I'm telling you, this, this idea of unity, the world will try to get to it through anarchy. The world tries to say, man, if, if we just don't have, if we throw off the bonds of, you know, leadership and throw off the bonds of any kind of authority or structure, then that's whenever we'll truly be at peace and have unity. That's what. Well, here, if we, if we look at this scripture, Psalm 133, in verse 2, you know this, I really like verse 1, I really like verse 3, it gets a little confusing in verse 2, right? Because, yeah, how great and pleasant it is in unity, 
life forevermore. But here in verse 2, it says, it is like the precious oil on the head. Running down on the beard. On the beard of Aaron. Running down on the collar of his robes. Usually whenever I read this psalm, I read the first part and I'm like, wow, that's really, really good. And then I get kind of confused. and I'm like, okay, oil down the beard. That's strange. And then life forevermore. Okay, I'm back. Well, I think that there's something actually really powerful in that picture, in that description of the precious oil, this oil that symbolized being purified. The fact that it ran down from the head, down onto the beard, down onto the collar of his robes. You know, that in and of itself is a picture of headship and of authority. You know, if you and I, if we're going to receive God's blessing of unity, then we're going to need to be connected to his body. And if we're going to be connected to his body, then we're going to have to respect and honor some headship because that's how this works from the head down. And y'all, I'm telling you, obviously, first and foremost, the head is Christ. Christ is the head of his church. He's the one that we're looking to. He's ultimate and final authority. But the way Christ has set this up is he, he set up leadership. He ordained governing rule. He, he ordained leadership in the church even. And so if you and I, if we're going to set ourselves up for the blessing of unity, y'all, we're going to have to start praying for our leaders. Pray for your pastor. Pray for Pastor Robert. Pray for me. Pray for Pastor Dwayne. Pray for Pastor Jacob. Let's honor and respect our leadership, knowing that God has commanded a blessing life forevermore, and knowing that just like that oil of purification ran down from the head of Aaron and ended up covering everything, that if I'm going to get any kind of that blessing, I'm going to need to be connected to the body. And if I'm going to be connected to the body, it's going to require some submission. I don't want to get too hard here, y'all, but, you know, Pastor Dwayne has said that it's not submission until you disagree, right? I could feel like I'm and act like I'm in submission all the time if we're always on the same page. That was even something we, we just prayed over uh, Pastor Connor here this morning. One of the, as me and Pastor Lee uh, Armstrong in Duran, as we were having conversations about, you know, what we need to observe and see in Connor as he's working towards this, Pastor Lee said, hey, what, what does he do whenever y'all disagree? Have you ever had a, an argument with Connor? And I thought about it. I'm like, you know, me and Connor are pretty agreeable. We kind of get along with think similarly. But Pastor Lee, he said, okay, well, what does it look like whenever he doesn't agree with what you're saying? Because that's whenever you're really going to see, are we in unity or are we just getting along? Because, and so I tried my best to start picking fights with Connor. It's hard to do with him, you know, he's, he's a nice guy, but, but I, I wanted to see, okay, what, what is it like whenever we butt heads, whenever we disagree, what is this like? And obviously here we are today. He's, he's, He's pastor material. That means he could disagree well. But even me and him, and it goes with the whole body of Christ, we, don't have, we are not called to be the same. We are not called to have the same ideas. We're not called to have the same opinions. We're not called to vote the same way. We are called to be in unity, and that can even happen in disagreement. And whenever we see things from different perspectives and whenever we have different experiences, we can still be in unity. Again, it all comes down to this headship of Jesus. But can we submit to authority? Y'all, whoever is elected in November, can we pray for that person? One way or the other, can we pray for that person? Because whoever they are, they're going to be God-ordained, appointed leadership. And of course, you know, any leadership that is not Jesus is going to be flawed. 
is going to have issues, is going to have problems. And so ultimately, our, our conscience, our, our lives are submitted to Jesus. But, you know, the apostles would encourage the church to pray for leadership whenever they were Roman emperors who were willing and ready to burn Christians. They still called them to, to honor and pray for the leadership. So we don't have to agree with everything, but can we pray for them? You don't have to agree with everything that I say or do in this church. You don't have to agree with every decision that Pastor Robert makes, but can we pray for our leadership? Can we pray for them? You know, as I was thinking about this, submitting to authority and how much God has commanded this blessing of unity in that way, I think even the, you know, if you grew up in church, you probably had this pounded into your head that uh, if you honor and obey your parents, that that's the first commandment with a promise that you would live long on the earth and things would go well with you. So for some reason, parents like to tell that verse to their children. I don't know. Yeah, we, we know. Amen. Yeah. But even that, from the youngest of ages, God set this up to where from the very beginning, one of the first lessons that we can learn is to honor and obey the authority and the headship that God's put in our household with our parents. I pray, I pray every single night over Eden. It's, it's my favorite time of night because she's actually kind of chill and she's in my arms and I get to pray over her and I pray that she would honor and obey me and Callie. And I pray that, not because I just want things to go well with me, but I want things to go well with her. And I know that if, if Eden can learn to honor and obey me, her earthly father, then she's going to be set up really, really well in her life to honor and obey her God in heaven who she cannot see. So I pray that over her, and I want that. We, we desire that for our kids, that they would honor, obey, that they would submit to authority because this is how God's blessing works. He does it in unity, and unity comes in authority and structure. It's not some chaos Woodstock of the kingdom that we all just get to show up and nobody has any rules and it works out. They tried Woodstock again and it did not work out. Some of y'all were there. I'm not going to call anybody out. But how, how God's unity, true unity works, it, it happens in authority and when we submit to authority. So if we can submit to authority, we're ready to position ourselves for unity. Another thing, if we're ready to forgive, if you're ready to forgive, because again, like I said, unity does not mean sameness. Unity does not mean that we all have the same idea, the same perspective, the same way forward. We're going to disagree. We're going to see it differently. We're going to have issues and problems with one another. So if we're going to maintain unity, we have to be able to utilize this tool of forgiveness to say, you did it differently than me. I feel like you did me wrong, but I can forgive you. I can find it in my heart to forgive you. And y'all, you know, I know that there are human beings in this church, so I know that people have been done wrong in this church. I know you felt that before, and I know that it can be painful and even hurtful sometimes to say, just forgive. I know it's not simple. I know it's not easy. It can be painful and hurtful to have to forgive. But I'm telling you that there's so much freedom when, and sometimes it's a miraculous thing. Sometimes there, there are things that have happened to some people that it is an act of God to be able to forgive it. It's not something that you just wake up one morning and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go forgive. There's some really, really difficult things that have happened to people, and it takes an act of God to be able to forgive, and I, but I've seen it happen. 
I've seen miraculously the power of the Spirit release chains from people's hearts that they've been holding on to for years and years and years. And y'all, it's not about the person that you are forgiving. It's about you because your heart is released. Your heart is free and open whenever that happens. In the book of Colossians, this, uh, this letter to the church, in Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, he's given this really beautiful picture of what the church looks like. We're going to start in verse 11. In Colossians 3, starting in verse 11, he's talking about, he's talking about in this chapter being able to put on the new self in Christ and being one and united in Christ. And, and it's this beautiful picture of like, man, this is really great. There's uh, no separation, no division in Christ. We're all one. And Christ has made us all one. But even in the middle of this beautiful picture that Paul is setting up, Let's read what he still has to say, starting in verse 11. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And here's his continued encouragement. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Paul's setting up this beautiful picture. We are all one in Christ. Christ is all and in all. And even in the middle of this oneness, he still is encouraging, forgive somebody whenever you've got a complaint against them. Because we have in our minds that being one, Christ being one and all and in all means that we're never going to have any issues. I'm going to come to church and it's going to be kumbaya and it's going to be fun and these are all the good people so they're going to be nice to me. You find out pretty quickly that Christians can be mean too. Christ is all and in all, but we still need this tool of forgiveness. If we're going to walk this out and work this out, what unity looks like, we're going to have to be ready and able and willing to forgive one another. So let's position ourselves for unity. Get ready for that bouquet to come out. We're positioning ourselves for unity. We're ready to forgive, ready to submit to authority. And again, like I've said this before, this is the way that we're, we're going. This is what it all comes down to, is to focus on Christ. If we're submitting to authority, the focus is on Christ because he's ultimate authority in this world. All, from, all authority, every knee has to bow to the name of Jesus. That's the authority we're looking to. Then if we talk about forgiving, again, the focus is on Christ because we are able to forgive because he first forgave us. That's the only thing that gives us the supernatural power to forgive is Christ's ultimate forgiveness in our lives. So we focus on Christ. And I want to, as I talk about this focusing on Christ, especially we're in a politically divisive time in our country. And crowd goes silent, but I know I can get an amen on that. We're in a politically divisive time in our country. And I want to talk about Jesus' leadership team real quick. So Jesus' 12 disciples of the list, there are a couple different spots in Scripture that you can see it. And I'd encourage you to go look at who those 12 disciples were. But there are two specific individuals on Jesus' big 12 leadership team. One went by the name of Matthew. He was a tax collector. Another went by the name of Simon. He was a zealot. And I want to talk about these two guys for just a second. 
So Matthew the tax collector, there was a lot of baggage that came with that title and that position that he held. You've probably seen in the Gospels, if you've read in Jesus' life, the Pharisees, the religious people were upset upset with him because he ate with sinners and tax collectors. These were like, it it felt like scum of the earth coming out of your mouth to call someone a tax collector. So Matthew was a tax collector. And what a lot of people saw with that was that he was a traitor of his people. He worked for the Roman government and worked to help them bring out taxes from his own people that he came from. He turned, their, he turned his back on those people and was being used by the Roman oppressors to take money from his own people. Tax collector. That's how you would say it. Maybe not in Aramaic, but tax collector. And then you've got this other guy, Simon the Zealot. So a zealot was this group of Jewish radicals who their mission was to overthrow the Roman Empire. You would call them rebels. Depending on which side of the aisle you were on, you'd call them terrorists. If you're on the other side of the aisle, you'd call them freedom fighters. That's how that goes. But Simon the Zealot, his mission, his goal, by any means necessary, even if it got physical and violent, was to overthrow these Roman oppressors. Do you think Simon and Matthew would just get along? No. Of course not. One who's turned his back on his people to support the Roman Empire. One who is doing everything possible to destroy the Roman Empire. I'm sure there was so much animosity, so much hurt, so much pain between these two people. But, I, but they were on the same leadership team together. They were both a part of the Big 12. They both had a mission together to push forward the cause of Christ. And I don't see, you know, other than the fact of their, their titles, Simon the Zealot, Matthew the Tax Collector, there's no record in Scripture of them bickering and fighting all the time. I'm sure it must have happened at least a little. There, might have, there must have been at least some glances, some, some smirks or whatever. I don't know. But it doesn't show it in Scripture. But I'm telling you, the only way, the only way that two people like this could be on the same team together and trying to accomplish the same goal would have to be who they're following. The only thing these two people had in common was who they were following. Unity could only be found in those polar opposites in that culture, in that society, because of who they were following. So the question today, church, is who are we following? Who are you following? I don't want to step on too many toes. I could say some names, but are you following someone who is red? Are you following someone who is blue? Are you following someone who has this political ideology? Are you following someone because of this last name? Are you following someone because of power? Are you following someone because of the color of their skin? Who are you following? Who are we following? Because I'm telling you, we as the body of Christ are to be first and foremost submitted to the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. And that's what I'm telling you. Amen. So listen, if we're going to find unity in this culture, we're not going to find it in a political party. We're not going to find it in who we vote for. We need to vote. That's good. I encourage that. We we all need to to be voting and caring about the, the leaders in our land. 
But ultimately, who is our knee bowing to? Who are we submitting to? Amen. And, and it's in that and in humility, submitting to Jesus Christ, it's, it's the only way that this could happen. It's the only way that unity could possibly be achieved. Because if we are truly following Jesus, then he sends his spirit to dwell among us, to be in our hearts. So he gives us his mind even so that he can, he can speak to us, lead us, guide us, direct us. Y'all, I don't, want, I don't want my thoughts to be just my opinions, to be just what I see fit, what I see good. I want to constantly be humbling myself before the Lord in prayer. God, you know, even in the Psalms, in, in Psalms, David says, God, reveal to me even my hidden sins, even things that, I, that I'm not seeing, that I'm not aware of, that I don't know. Reveal those things to me and lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus, lead me to you. Don't let my, my opinions be based just off of my, my background. Don't let my opinions just be based off of what my mommy and daddy have said. And don't let my opinions just be based off of what, where I'm from in the world. Don't let my opinions just be based off of what I see fit and what I think is right. Holy Spirit, humble me. Let your thoughts be my thoughts. Let's submit. Let's bow that knee to Jesus. Y'all, if we are going to be blessed, if we're going to be that blessed people that God is pouring out his blessings into the entire community, we are going to be a people of unity. We're going to be a people who can get it right even in this congregation. In Victory Life, we can forgive one another. We can be kind to one another. We can uh, have grace for each other. But even beyond just this congregation, even between churches in St. James number 2 or in the Church of God or in the Baptist Church or wherever, we as the body of Christ, you know, Jesus said that the world would know his love and that they would see his love by our unity, by our oneness. If we can be one even in different congregations and in different buildings, different service times, if we can still be one and in unity together, y'all, this community is going to see and glorify God. They're going to glorify our Father in heaven. And the only way we're going to be doing that is to focus on Christ. Focus on the head. Amen. I think I'm done. Amen. <laughs> Let's give the Lord some praise. So before, before we are dismissed or um, go from here, I really, I would be honored and I would love to have Pastor Robert to come and just, just share a few words. Uh, some of you know, not everybody knows uh, what's different about this weekend is um, as St. James number two is able to move into a new location here closer in town. We're so thankful uh, about having y'all closer here. Yes, uh, and it's just such a special time for our town and for this church um, uh, to be, we're, we're almost next door neighbors. We could just walk down the street to see each other, uh, but we're so thankful for that, and I'm, I'm thankful to many people in this congregation who yesterday were able to come out and help kind of be a part of some of the renovations that they're doing in the church. Uh, I just, I can't say thank you enough. I believe we have a servant's heart here in this church, and I just want to honor and, and thank that uh, even people who couldn't do, couldn't be there physically to do work, whether you donated, offered food, uh, whatever. It just it was amazing to see the church come out for that. But uh, in that, I'm just so blessed and so thankful. Pastor Robert said, "Hey, that weekend we want to be with y'all. We want to worship together. We want to glorify God together in the same building." And so, 
just as any kind of blessing that we might have been able to give to y'all's congregation, we're receiving it abundantly even more so. Just the fact that y'all would choose to worship with us this morning. And so we're thankful for y'all's presence here. And so uh, in doing that, I just wanted to give Pastor Robert uh, a, a few moments. If, if you want to share anything or speak a blessing over us, I, I just want to, to hear from you, Pastor Robert. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Pastor Michael. God bless you and Victory Life. God bless you. I just want to take this time first to say thank you for reaching out to us and the thing that you did. You didn't have to do it, so we thank God for you. And Pastor Michael, I thank God for him. He called me and he wanted to reach out to me and he said, uh, I'd like to come to Paris and me and my wife and y'all sit down and just have lunch together. And uh, I told him, I said, well, during this time now, you know, I don't fault nobody for what they do, but I do what I do. And so I told him, I, right now I'm not going out and eating and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. He said, well, we'd like to get together. So I, he offered to come to me. So I, I said, I tell you, I can drive up there and we can sit down and talk at your office. And we sit down and talked. And I was so thankful for him just to reach out to us. And I thought about the gospel, how it spread. It started with 120 people. We look around this congregation right here. A lot of times we don't think that we can change the world. Mm-hmm. I know, we, like he says, a lot of divisiveness and everything else is going, a lot of hate and everything else is going on in the world. But we do have the power to change. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. We're the light. Mm-hmm. No darkness can stand before us if yeah. we just let our light shine. Amen. And so I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking for better things in the future. I'm looking Amen. for a greater fellowship. And I just believe with all my heart, if we just take that first step, somebody on the outside, somebody going to be looking at us and saying, I wish I could get along like those people in yeah. Boswell, Oklahoma. That's good. Come on. So we're so grateful to you, and we do appreciate everything you've done, and God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Well, church, if y'all would stand, I want to speak a blessing over us as, as we go from here. I pray this week that the Lord would direct our hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.